ಶ್ರೀಗಣೇಶಾಯ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಸರಸ್ವತೆ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಸದ್ಗುರವೀರ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸಮಸ್ತಜನಕಲ್ಯಾಣಿ ನಿರತ ಕರುಣಾಮಯ ನಮಿ ಚಿನ್ಮಯ ದೇವ ಸದ್ಗುರು ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ವಿದ್ವರ ಭಕರ ವಂದೇ ಶ್ರದ್ಧಾ ವಿಶ್ವಾಸಿಣ್ಯಾಭ್ಯಾಂಪಶ್ಯಂತಸ್ತೀಶ್ವರ ವಸುದೇವಸುತ ಕಂಸಚಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ರಾಮಭದ್ರಾಮಚಂದ್ರಾ ವೇದಸೆ ರಘುನಾಥಾಯತೇ ನಮಃ ಬುದ್ಧೈರ್ಬಲ ಯಶೋಧೈರ್ಯ ನಿರ್ಭಯತ್ವಮರೋಗತಾಜಾಢ್ಯಂಪಟುತ್ವಂಚನುಮಸ್ಮರಣಾಭವೇ ಗಾಯಂತಿಸ್ಥಿತತಿನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿಗಿನ ಯಸ್ಯಾಂತುಸುರಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಾಯಸ್ಮಹ ಓಂ ನಮ ಶಿವಾಯ 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 ಓಂ 
he gets confused which leads to great grief to such an arjuna who then surrenders to bhagwan sri krishna that please guide me i am totally confused dharma sammudha chetaha i am confused regarding dharma please guide me so bhagwan krishna guides him and that is this bhagavad gita so the first chapter reveals to us our own condition taking the help of the story of arjuna our own condition is revealed arjuna became scared seeing the mighty armies face each facing each other ready to kill each other it's a life and death situation so he was little scared nervous about this death which will inevitably come to him or to his relatives and friends then he was very much confused and there was this problem of grief these are the three main problems which face mankind fear confusion and grief universally universally there is this fear fear of survival whether we will survive as an individual whether we will survive as a race there is always that fear is there and that fear motivates the different life forms to move around uh, experiencing various uh, pleasures trying to protect themselves from their predators and it goes on the journey goes on in science they call it the survival instinct which is there in all of us we have this uh, fear of becoming non existence or fear of dying that is the main fear then there is great confusion regarding the nature of our own self we don't know exactly who am i it's not very clear though every one of us we we talk about ourselves we write books on ourselves biography we we write little sketches about ourselves even on internet you find people talking about themselves briefly they reveal their nature yeah. but all that they talk about is either about the body or relatives of the body or the place or some qualities of their mind qualities of uh, the intellect but it doesn't reveal their real nature it's like somebody asking me who am i and i start describing you the table the chair in details also the position where it is kept things which are there that will not really reveal me similarly when we talk about ourselves we talk about the external factors which we feel make 
our own self. So there is this confusion regarding our own identity. And the third thing which is a great problem facing humanity or all is the problem of sorrow, sadness, grief. In various forms, it comes sometimes in the form of loneliness, frustration, irritation, different forms it takes. And everyone feels their sadness is very special. They don't want to listen to any other person's sadness. That my sadness is more special. Please listen to it. We feel by telling about it, it will reduce. Sometimes it reduces that other fellow gets everything. But it doesn't go. So, we give various reasons. Religious people give their own reason about karmas, about vasanas, about papa which is done in the past. Hmm. Or God is little angry with you. Or you must have done some uh, rituals or something wrongly. Whatever. Astrological reasons are there. They say Shani Bhari hai. Rahu is not very happy with you. Hmm. Ketu is in the wrong house. And uh, and other grahas, whatever they are. And Dasha and Sadesati. So they have their own reason why we are unhappy. Then the worldly people who don't believe in all this, they have their own reason why we are unhappy. You are in the wrong profession. You should wear the right type of hat. You should be in the right job. You should know how to interact with people. People management, hmm, personality development, confidence, synergy. So some names are thrown here and there. And they have their own reason why they are unhappy. Our own friends, relatives, they may have their own reason. They will tell us that you are born in the wrong family. That is the main cause. I told you, I mean, what can we do? Or they will say, you married the wrong person, you know. I was telling you, but you never listened to me. Or some about some job that you are in the wrong company. Or you don't know how to invest. You don't know how to take care of your finances. So all these reasons. Some may say that, oh, you are educated in the wrong school. If you had studied in that school, it would have been better. So a hundred reasons are given why we are unhappy. And all these reasons seem to be very nice, interesting. And sometimes they are quite contradictory to each other also. But there are reasons. Because when we are unhappy, that time we suddenly become very philosophical. Why? Why this has happened? We want to know the answer. When things are going fine, we don't have any questions. Any question? When we have joys coming in our life, we don't ask the question, why God, why are you making me so happy? 
Nothing like that. But when we are unhappy, then we have questions. That why? I am such a nice person. Why you are making me so unhappy? I followed all this religion so sincerely. I attended all the religious functions. I went to all the temples. I performed all the rituals. Why am I unhappy? So, the answers may be given, but they, they don't satisfy us. Because they are not absolutely true. They are not true. They are just satisfying answers. They satisfy us to a certain extent, but they are not absolutely true. So there is this, there are these problems of fear, of confusion, and of grief. Bhagwan, I mean the Arjuna, expressed these three problems in the first chapter. He was scared. He was scared also because this war. However strong you are, when one faces death, it's quite scary. Then he was confused, no doubt about it. Confused regarding his own nature. And confused regarding the nature of his duties, of his goal, of his purpose. Things were not clear. Therefore, there was a lot of uncertainty in his mind. And this uncertainty can be real disturbing only. When we are clear about things, it's good. So he was very much uncertain about lot of things. And deep sadness, deep grief or dejection arose in his heart. See, sometimes we can, um, we postpone things. Like there is fear, somehow we just neglect it or try to forget about it or chant Hanuman Chalisa or do something so that we are we are what you call temporarily released from this fear or make people sit around us hold my hand and all those things. There is different techniques which might help us to be free of fear or to take insurance policy, or to have some guards around, hmm, but that doesn't help. Confusion. We try to resolve our confusion by, by our own thinking, or by asking questions, or discussing things with those who do not know anything about it, and increasing our confusion. Why I am so unhappy? The other fellow gives such reason that I have become more unhappy. Yeah? So he says that why? Why me? Why did I? Why do I suffer? The other fellow says, why not you? You are the best candidate. Your face also is quite suitable for it. So that makes me more sad. So confusion we try to eliminate through our studies, through reading. Then we go into religion, we go into spirituality, we read books, we attend programs. Hmm. We try to clear the confusion of our mind, of our intellect. 
the question why, 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 we have to clear it. Otherwise the intellect will keep torturing us. That's like an intellectual suffering type. Hmm. Then we have this great grief. We try to eliminate it by pleasures of this world, by wealth of this world, by various things. But grief doesn't go. Grief do not go by pleasures. Grief is forgotten for some time. Grief is suppressed for some time. Grief doesn't go. It remains and comes up. So this was very vividly revealed uh, in a story form, in a dramatic way, in the first chapter and the beginning of second chapter also. Uh, so that is where humanity is at present, or individual we are at present. But what is the solution? The solution is given in the entire Bhagavad Gita. And very interesting. Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavan tells that the ultimate solution for all your problem, problem of fear, problem of confusion, and problem of grief is in gaining the state of enlightenment, in realizing yourself. What is the connection? See, this self is indicated in our scriptures as um, uh, having that nature. Its nature is Sat, Chit and Ananda. Sat, Chit and Ananda. They are not three. Sat itself is Chit and Chit itself is Ananda. Sat means pure existence. Existence per se. Pure existence. Hmm. Chit means pure knowledge or pure state of consciousness. Please listen carefully. Hmm. Pure state of consciousness or knowledge. And Ananda means bliss, free from all sorrow, all suffering, pure bliss. That is my nature. And not knowing this, my nature, gives rise to these three types of suffering. Not knowing my nature as pure existence, there is fear. Fear of death, fear of non-existence, fear of coming to an end, fear of becoming uh, non-existence. Then there is, my nature is chit, pure knowledge. Not knowing this, there is confusion. Confusion in various ways comes in our life. And my nature is that of bliss. Not knowing, not recognizing makes us seek freedom from our grief, makes us seek happiness. So, really speaking, when we are scared, what we are seeking is a state of eternity. When we are confused, we are seeking a state of absolute knowledge. And we are, when we are unhappy, what we are seeking is a state of absolute happiness. So directly and indirectly, what we are seeking is our own self. 
say whatever we do in this world whatever be our profession what we are seeking is something subtler than what the world has got to offer world is offering us matter world is offering us energy world is offering us place and time and outer situation but all this comes to us in the form of experience the object comes into us as a experience for example some food is there it will come to me as an experience situation comes into me as experience and the ultimate experience which i seek is an experience of being eternal experience of being all knowing and experience of being blissful that is what i seek that is what all of us seek hmm. so bhagwan understood the whole situation in which arjuna was there and he began his teaching by giving him revealing him his own nature nature of this self so we find in the beginning portion of this second chapter again arjuna's moha and his grief was revealed but then bhagwan began by revealing him to him the nature of the self which is he said that there is there was never a time when you were not there when i was not there when all these people were not there we were there before we are now and we will always be in future the self doesn't get destroyed it never gets destroyed he says this body undergoes change and modification constantly antavante ime dehaha nityasyokta sharirinah anashino prameyasya tasmad yudhyasvabharata this body is antavantaha it comes to an end means it changes it modifies it changes but that atma doesn't change that atma is na jayate na mriyate kadachit it is neither born nor does it die nityash ajo nityash shashvato yam puranah it is ajah unborn nitya eternal shashvat it is nainam chindanti shastrani it cannot be destroyed by any weapons it cannot be burned by fire it cannot be destroyed by water atma is my own nature and this body is like the dress which i am wearing at present we have identified ourselves with our dress we think we are our dress bhagwan says that life and death is like changing dress we change our cloth old one and put a new one similarly when one dies so called dies we just discard one body and assume another body but that atma is like space and this body is like the pots different pots so one pot is removed and another pot is taken up and in that pot there is water let us say those waters are like our mind and intellect of different quality different shape different size 
but I am that pure space, the space of consciousness, the space of existence, and the space of bliss. Like we chanted now in the invocation, Chidananda Rupa Shivoham Shivoham, that is I. Mano Buddhyahankara Chittaninaham, Nachashrotra Jivve Nachagrana Netre, Nachavyoma Bhumir Natejo Navayuhu, Chidananda Rupa Shivoham Shivoham, that is my essential nature. So Bhagwan tells Arjuna, that you do not die and body will anyway perish. Whether you fight or don't fight, the body will perish. The various reasons may be there externally, temporary for the body to perish, but ultimately it will perish. So if you are fighting, if you are not fighting out of fear, then that is not proper. You fight because this is the situation in which this body is there so just perform whatever duties are there. So he told Arjuna the cause of his fear is not knowing his self. And if he knows that he is eternal, then there is no need for him to be afraid. Similarly, not only Arjuna, but all these beings who are there, they are the same self, eternal, indestructible. Tasmat yudhyasva bharata. Therefore, hey Arjuna, you get up and fight. Later on, Bhagwan gives some worldly reason for Arjuna to fight this war. He says that from the standpoint of your dharma as a kshatriya, you have to fight this war. If you don't fight, you have been such a great person, you are known in this world, you have become so famous in this world, if you run away from this battlefield, it will be a great disgrace. People will talk ill about you. They will talk that, they will say that you were a coward. Out of fear you ran away. They will never say that because of compassion you did not fight. So from the worldly standpoint, all your enemies will eternally talk ill about you. From the worldly standpoint also, Bhagwan revealed to Arjuna the reason why he should fight. But fight is just a incidental year. Hmm. It is not the main purpose. Like Bhagwan is not advising all of us to fight. Incidental. Because Arjuna had come to fight and he got confused. So Bhagwan says, you continue. You continue with that. It's like a person is breathing, he stops, you say, no, no, you continue breathing. Now, as I said last time also, this Bhagavad, this second chapter of Bhagavad Gita has got uh, four important topics. The first is the nature of our problem, which I said is what is fear, is confusion and sorrow or grief. Second, it reveals the solution and the solution is to know the nature of the self, to realize and recognize our own self, 
to reach the state of enlightenment. This reaching the state of enlightenment is not meant only for Gautam Buddha. It is not meant only for few Mahatmas. It is meant for everyone. Just like hunger, everyone experiences and food is meant for all of us. Not that food is meant only for few people. Unfortunately, that hunger to gain that state of enlightenment is not felt intensely or it is not recognized. But it is there. And only by gaining that state of enlightenment, we will be fully satisfied. Therefore, in Gita, Bhagwan reveals through all these shlokas the nature of the eternal self. Also, he says that yad nyatva neha bhuyonyata nyatavyam avashishyate. Having known this self, nothing more remains to be known. So all the confusion of the mind also settles down. And about happiness also Bhagavan says, having gained this happiness, even the mighty sorrow will not disturb us. Yasmin stito nadukhena gurunapi vichalyate. Even the mighty sorrows or the things which might have caused sorrow doesn't bother, doesn't disturb this person, becomes free of all grief. So this is the second topic. The nature of the self is revealed. But one has to know how to reach this state of enlightenment. So problem is there. And solution is to gain that state of enlightenment, to get enlightened. But how? That is a million dollar question. How? That how is revealed in the third portion of this second chapter, which is called yoga. So yoga is a method which reveals us the technique of moving from our present state to the state of enlightenment. Very systematically, very scientifically, it is revealed that where we are now and how we can reach the state of enlightenment is is uh, step by step revealed through this technique. So, starting from the path of Karma Yoga, slowly taking us to various stages of upasana, then to the stage of knowledge, and to the stage of uh, meditation, and finally the state of realization, nirvikalpa samadhi, wherein one comes to recognize ourself as we are. So, is it that that is the end? After recognizing ourselves, what happens? We become like space. What happens? What is the... What happens to that realized person? What happens to the realized master? Is it that they just disappear out in space? Or is it that uh, there is some... uh, The body still functions? The personality still functions? Is there some interaction? 
So this is a great question which comes in the mind that what is the nature of this realization? What is the nature of enlightenment? What is the nature of those who have attained the state of enlightenment? This should be understood very clearly. It has got nothing to do with the outer dress. It has got nothing to do with the outer situation or personality. It's something very subtle. So the nature of this enlightened person is revealed in the remaining portion of the second chapter. The last 18 verses talks about the nature of a realized master, the sthita pradnya. And that completes, concludes the topic. A sthita pradnya remains, an enlightened person remains in the world means the body is seen, remains in the world, interacts with the world, but from a different level altogether, from a totally different level. It is so different, it's like a, how can, it's like the ancient typewriters which we should have, we used to have, and the, and the modern computers. This is a very gross example. It's like a, he's, he goes, he or she goes into a different uh, paradigm, different level altogether. So the way the person responds to the world, responds to, responds to the various situation is totally different. So Arjuna asks Bhagwan Krishna that please tell me about them. What is, what is the nature of this realized master? How do they move about in this world? How do they walk? How do they talk? How do they sit? How do they interact with the world? Please tell me. And that is the uh, description given then by Krishna, Bhagwan Shri Krishna. So we had seen last time, till verse number 37, wherein Bhagwan tries to convince Arjuna by giving the worldly reasons, saying that, hey Arjuna, you fight this war. Because either way, it is a win-win situation. If you fight, two things may happen. One is that uh, you will win the war. And another is that you will die. In the sense, the body will fall down dead. Either way, it doesn't make any difference. If you die, that jiva continues, you will go to swarga. Because you are following the path of dharma only, so you'll go to swarga, you will remain there, come back, again continue with your journey. So, hato va prapsisi swargam, and jitva va bhokshase mahim, and if you win, then you can be the ruler of this kingdom. So, from this worldly standpoint also, there is no harm, you fight. Tasmad uttishtha kaunteya, Yuddhaya Kritanishchayaha, therefore stand up and fight this war with firm determination. Once that becomes clear, once our duty becomes clear, here war is a duty of Arjuna. So first we have to determine our duty, and once that becomes clear, then the second question is, how to perform these duties. 
So our spiritual journey begins by recognizing our duty, which is nothing but our responsibility with respect to this body, with respect to being an individual. Recognizing our responsibility and performing this or fulfilling this responsibility with such an attitude that that attitude becomes our sadhana which helps us to reach the state of enlightenment. Hmm. So after revealing the importance of performing his uh, duty to Arjuna, which happened to be the war here, Though his nature is Satchid Ananda, but now he is identified with the body, identified with a personality. So in order to release oneself from this identification, we have to start by considering that identification and handling it in such a way that slowly we become free of that uh, bondage. It's like you want to catch a train and it is moving so, first you have to run on the platform with the same direction and same speed as that of the train. It's moving slowly. So, you also move. And then you just jump into the train. Similarly, in the beginning, it is required for us to understand our personality, relative personality, with respect to our body, with respect to our mind, with respect to our intellect, and assuming that personality or uh, 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 with, I mean, understanding that personality, there are certain responsibilities which are called the duties. And those duties, when we perform with a particular attitude, then that becomes our sadhana. Just performing duties is not called spiritual sadhana. It's the attitude which is very important. Many people say, oh, I am doing my duties. First of all, you might not understand the nature of your duty if your uh, nature of the self or the holistic understanding of life is not uh, known. If it is not grasped, we will not know exactly what I have to do. It's like a big, huge, like a football ground is there or a football game is going on. Then each player has got his own own place where they are stationed. Some is in the forward and back and all those things and middle and goalkeeper and all those. So they are placed in different strategic positions. And there they have to keep on moving and doing their own duty. That fellow should not come and stand here near the goalkeeper and start chatting with him. Why are you chatting? The ball is gone. So I thought let me just... No, no, you have to stay in your position and perform that. So, they have to understand, because it's a teamwork, they have to understand what are the other team members are doing and what exactly is my role in this team and accordingly perform. Similarly, duty is a teamwork. Responsibility is a teamwork. We all human beings are a team. Not only human beings, but all animals, bird, plant are like a team. We have our own position. We have our own responsibilities. We have responsibility to take care of our own body, of our own family, of our own society. 
we have responsibility to create a harmony in this world so that all of us harmoniously strive to attain the final fulfillment of our life so deep understanding is required a holistic vision is required to comprehend what exactly is my duty that topic will be taken up in detail later on in the 18th chapter and all bhagwan talks about it and in between also he speaks in the third chapter also he will speak about it but uh, here after making arjuna realize that you as a kshatriya your duty is to fight this righteous war you can't run away from here it's your responsibility as a as a unit as an individual it's your responsibility so you have to fulfill your responsibility not fulfilling our responsibility is called adharma creating this harmony is called adharma see sitting down on the ground is it adharma but if you are a player in the football match and then it is the football game is going on at that time sitting there is adharma only you are not only spoiling yourself but you are spoiling the entire team the whole team will suffer because of your foolishness maybe that time you may think no it is my time for doing japa so mera wo time hai ball aa gaya aane do ball chale gaya jaane do so that is not proper similarly we have to understand our responsibility as an individual as a member of a family as a member of a society as a member of our nation as a member of our globe as a member of this environment as a part of the food chain or all these chains it is our duty to take care of animal birds plant also they are also part of our team we can't neglect them if they get eliminated we will also get eliminated in time if tigers get eliminated ultimately it is our turn then so it is our responsibility to take care of this society of nature duty so that we will see the topic in detail when we come to it but here after making arjuna realize that it is his responsibility duty to fight this war now bhagwan begins the topic of how what should be the attitude which is very important that attitude makes all the difference performing the duty will help to harmonize the whole balance of the society but attitude will ev- make you evolve spiritually attitude will help us to evolve spiritually attitude will make us rise on our spiritual journey and performing duties will help in creating balance and harmony in the society if we don't use that attitude we will remain there only in a state of balance in a state of it's like the water which uh, flows in the river but at one place it is just circulating there itself so it doesn't move it doesn't go to the ocean it just hang around there but then if it moves ultimately it reaches the ocean similarly when we 
perform duty, we should know what should be our attitude. And that will make all the difference. So, duties with attitude, proper attitude, is called karma yoga. Briefly. So, Bhagwan begins by revealing the secret of karma yoga, which is most fascinating actually. And then, slowly he tells us that how this karma yoga itself modifies into upasana, modifies into knowledge, modifies into dhyana, and that state of enlightenment. It, it, it moves. It's like a child which grows, born, then grows. The child itself is, becomes the youth. Youth is not a different person. The child, when he grows, becomes the youth. The youth, when he grows, becomes the middle-aged person. Similarly, the karma yoga, when it grows, when it fully develops, becomes upasana. When that upasana gets fully developed, it becomes knowledge. And that knowledge reaches its culmination into dhyana. Jnana dhyanam vishishyati. And that dhyana then ultimately leads to the state of enlightenment, samadhi. And after reaching the state of samadhi, then still the person interacts with the world as an enlightened being. So what should be our attitude in our, while performing our duties, that is revealed in one shloka, in the, in the 38th uh, shloka, and then Bhagwan elaborates it uh, further. So let us chant. It's a beautiful shloka. Sukha dukhe same kritva. Labha labha jaya jayo. Tato yuddhaya yujjasva. Naivam papam avapsyasim. Together. Sukha dukhe same kritva. Labha labha jaya jayo. Tato yuddhaya yujjasva. Naivam papam avapsyasim. Bhagavan tells Arjuna that first you adjust your mind with this attitude of samatva and then you fight this war. Tato yuddhaya yujjasva. If you do like that, na evam papam avapsi. See, you will not incur any sin. You will not get entangled in the in this karmas, in the, in the, in the work. So what should be our attitude? He says, samatva should be our attitude. Equanimity is one thing which he said. More Bhagavan will elaborate later on also. But the most important is samatva. Equanimity in what? Sukha and dukkha. Sukha means happiness. Dukkha means sorrow. When we perform an action, a result comes. Sometimes the result gives happiness, sometimes the result gives sorrow. Then there is a possibility of some gain, 
or there is a possibility of loss. So, labha and alabha, loss. Then again, if in this war, possibility of jaya, victory, and possibility of defeat, failure or defeat. Hmm. Victory and defeat. Bhagavan says, make your mind in advance, accept both of them. Accept both of them. In the sense, if joy comes, good. If sorrow comes, it is good. What is more important for you should be performing your duties. The attention should be focused on performing the duties. Not on the results. Not commenting or not insisting or not getting attached to the result. But focus on the action. So if I get happiness in advance before performing your duties, one should make the mind in such a way that if happiness comes, fine. If sorrow comes, that is also fine. Both of them are, in bhakti uh, language we can say, both of them are prasad or bhagwan. Prasad. Chahe sukha de ya dukha. Whatever you give, O Lord, joy or sorrow is prasad. So when we remain balanced in the result, suddenly we become balanced in our action. Very interesting. Those who are not balanced regarding their attitude toward the result, they are never balanced in their performance of action. They will always be scared, always be miserable, always be inefficient in performing action. If we have the, suppose you have to come and perform, and if you have the feeling, oh, I should be very, everyone should appreciate, everyone should, I should be successful, and this and that, then that will lead to fear of the opposite, fear of failure, fear of uh, sorrow, fear of pain. And the performance will not be proper. Our mind will be in the future only. But if we understand later on, Bhagavan will tell that the result depends on so many other factors. Result depends on the totality. Performing the action depends on I as an individual. But the result depends on the totality. So leave it to the totality to give whatever result. You focus your attention on performing your duties. So, sukhadukhe samekritva, make your mind saman, equanimous, equanimous, I don't know what it is. Equanimous. I tell you, sometimes these words can be quite tricky, but you know what it is. So, make your mind samatvam, sama. In both joys and sorrow. In advance. Means, make, uh, understand that sorrow come, joy come, I will be saying. When we make that thing in advance, then when it comes, we remain same. But if we leave it for the last moment, we will always be imbalanced. That worst comes, fine. Best comes, fine. Both are fine for me. 
if I make that, then in between also I will be fine and the extremes will also not disturb me. That's the beauty. Because both are really fine. It doesn't matter whether we go this way or that way. Both the ways will take us in space only. As far as space is concerned, it doesn't matter which direction I go. Similarly, as far as that self is concerned, it doesn't matter externally whether there is happiness or sorrow. If I remain balanced in the self, I don't then need the support of external joy and sorrow. So making your mind saman in sukha and dukkha, laba and alaba in gain and loss. You fight this war, that's your duty. If there is gain, very good. If there is loss, doesn't matter because it's your duty, you can't help it. Duty is that which has to be done. If it gives rise to the gain or loss, you make your mind balance in that. Accept it in advance. And jay and parajay, success and failure. See, Bhagavad Gita is not a secret of success. Many times this this uh, statement and all becomes very attractive. We say, oh, secret of success is given. No, no, no. In fact, it defeats the very philosophy of Karma Yoga. Bhagavad Gita doesn't give us the secret of success. It gives us the secret by which we are able to face both success and failure in a balanced way. Of course, if we work efficiently, understanding the holistic vision, it will take us from better and better position only. In a way, success, in a way. But there is no guarantee. Here, Bhagwan doesn't tell Arjuna that you will win this war. He said you might lose also. He doesn't say that all your people will be protected. No, they might be killed. In fact, that Abhimanyu got killed when all of them were present. Nobody could help him. So there is no guarantee that you will succeed. You might fail. But keep your mind balanced. It is more important that you perform your duty. It's like every day you take care of your body. That doesn't mean that you might not fall sick. That doesn't mean one may not die. It is there. But every day you take care. doesn't matter. So that is what Bhagavan tells Arjuna. Make your mind in advance in this way. Tato yuddhaya yujjasva. And thereafter you fight this war. Naivam papama vapsis. You will not incur any sin. Sin here is the three things which will come. The grief, the confusion, and the and what fear. That will Because all this is in the mind. This papam is in our mind and punya is also in our mind. We carry our pap and punya with us. It is not left behind. Nothing like that. We have to carry it with us. It will not. Money and bank balance and all we have to leave. But papa we have to carry. It is a permanent feature life. So it is there in the mind itself. So when one follows this path, the mind will start becoming more and more pure. The mind will start becoming free of lot of these negativities of fear, 
of confusion and of sorrow will go away. So, naivam papam avapsyasi. Therefore, hey Arjuna, you make a firm resolve and fight this war. So, briefly, Bhagwan reveals the nature of uh, uh, karma yoga in this verse, but he will elaborate in the following verses. Before going into the topic of karma yoga, Bhagwan makes a, a, a very clear uh, what you call demarcation here, and it's very important to understand Bhagavad Gita. He says in the 39th verse, Esha te bhihita sankhe buddhir yoge tvimam shrunu buddhya yukto yaya partha karma bandhan prahasyasi Esha te bhihita sankhe buddhir yoge tvimam shrunu Haan, Arjuna, Bhagavan says, ki esha te avihita sankhe, that till now I reveal to you sankhya. Sankhya buddhi. Till now, till now means from the 11th verse, till verse number, verse number 30. Let me verify. Verse number 30, 3-0. Bhagavan, what he revealed is called Sankhya. Verse number 31-37, Bhagavan gave worldly wisdom why Arjuna should fight. That is not included in Sankhya. So from 11th verse till verse number 30, what Bhagavan revealed is Sankhya. Sankhya means knowledge. Knowledge of the self. Knowledge of the self. It is that knowledge which happens when a person reaches the state of enlightenment. Sankhya buddhi is that knowledge which destroys all the, uh, all that bondage. It destroys our fear, because we come to know that we are eternal. It destroys all confusion, because we come to recognize our nature as pure knowledge. It destroys all sorrow, because we come to recognize and experience the state of bliss. Sankhya is a, is a wisdom which Bhagwan revealed here. It's the wisdom of our own nature. Sankhya buddhi. So, that is the ultimate state, ultimate uh, uh, goal we have to attain. But before we attain that goal, we have to prepare our mind by following the path of karma yoga, upasana and all. So this Sankhya knowledge is our goal. That knowledge will remove all 
grief and fear and everything and gives us a state of enlightenment. In the Ramayana, Tulsidas Ji mentions very beautifully. He says, Dharmati birati jogati jnana jnana moksha prada veda bakhana. He says, by following dharma, one gains vairagya. Then by following the path of yoga, the karma yoga and all, ultimately it leads to knowledge and that knowledge gives us moksha, gives us freedom. So here, sankhya is that knowledge which will release us from all bondage. Knowledge of our own self. So Bhagwan did not uh, means any words. He did not uh, talk about other irrelevant or other topic, but he just focused his attention on the nature of the self from the verse number 11 to 30th. So that portion is called Sankhya. Sankhya Buddhi. The knowledge which is revealed there is called Sankhya Buddhi. Bhagwan says, till now, I talked about this uh, Sankhya Buddhi, Esha Te Bihita Sankhya, Buddhir Yoge to Imam Shrunu. Now, Bhagavan tells Arjuna, you listen about Yoga Buddhi. Yoga Buddhi is that sadhana, is that attitude which ultimately will lead us to that knowledge or the state of enlightenment. So yoga, that word, is very popular in our scripture. Yoga literally it means to join, to connect. We have as though have become disconnected from our own self. It's like you go out of range na, sometimes. Out of range means, now I have to talk in mobile language. And it becomes clear, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am using that and suddenly I can't hear, I can't get any this out of range. Then we go, move around and then we are again back in range. Similarly, we are out of range of our own self. Self is happiness, but I am always miserable. Met me something wrong. Maybe you are underground. Maybe you are in a lift. Maybe you are in some other remote area. You are not getting the the range. So I am of the nature of Satchit Anand. But what is my experience? I, am, I have fear. That means I have not understood that I am eternal. I am confused. That means I don't know that I am of the nature of knowledge. I have not understood, recognized, realized. And I am always miserable. I have not recognized my bliss out of range. So to come back into range, to again get connected to ourselves, to go back to our nature, to go back to our source, is called yoga, the technique, the method. It's a broad word. Then it is it is used with various uh, things like karma yoga, upasana yoga, or ashtanga yoga, or jnana yoga, or bhakti yoga. Whatever sadhana is, we add yoga, that word to it. Karma yoga means using karma, using action, we connect to the source. 
ज्ञान योग मीन्स यूजिंग नॉलेज वी कनेक्ट टू द सोर्स ध्यान योग मीन्स यूजिंग द टेक्निक्स ऑफ मेडिटेशन वी कनेक्ट टू द सोर्स भक्ति मीन्स यूजिंग लव वी कनेक्ट टू द सोर्स वॉट एवर विद मेथड कनेक्टिंग टू द सोर्स सो इट्स अ प्रोसेस इट्स अ वे वे विच विल लीड अस डाउ टाउ इट्स अ वे विल लीड अस टू दैट सोर्स सो सो भगवान सेज now i will reveal to you hey arjuna this yoga yoga buddhi and it's called buddhi because it is an understanding it's an attitude just physical action itself is not called sadhana some people they do keep on doing some japa and all their mind runs here and there or perform some actions and all and but attitude is something else many times we have this misunderstanding about karma yogis we feel that people who are workaholics यार कर्म बड़ा कर्मयोगी है वो दिन रात काम करते रहता है क्या बताए फुर्सत नहीं है बट इफ यू मीट डेट फेलो इज इज लाइक अ राक्षस ओनली एंग्री एरोगेंट प्राउड ऑलवेज डिस्टर्ब सैड डिप्रेस्ड बड़ा कर्मयोगी है That is not karma yoga. That is just donkey with a without a tail. At least donkey has got tail to drive with the uh, what you call flies. This fellow doesn't have a tail. That is the dis- misadvantage. And the hand is also busy because it's catching hold of the mobile. At least other hand he can use to drive with the flies. so just performing action itself is not called karma yoga again some people have feeling that performing a special type of action is karma yoga special wahan par kahin par mandir mein jaake kuch kaam karna karma yoga hai bada karma yoga hai he goes there temple and does lot of work and his children are suffering there wife is saying please bazaar mein jaake kuch nahi nahi wahan par kaam karna hai mandir ka prasad lana hai so he is busy so we feel that performing a special type of action is called karma yoga and once in a while rest of the time we can do whatever we like that is also not karma yoga as our gurudev says that it is not performing a special action it's performing all action in a special way performing all our action in a special attitude is called karma yoga it is not it's not something which can be done only on a particular time or place it's a 24 hour affair even our sleep can be karma yoga our walking our talking our eating our fighting our struggling our crying our weeping everything can be karma yoga it's a it's a attitude of life of living how you live because our life is made up of action so how what is your attitude in your action or in your life that is very important and that is what is called buddhi yoga here bhagwan says yoga buddhi so a sankhya buddhi i have given i have told you what is the goal which we have to reach but i am telling you now the method how you will reach that goal it's not just dry philosophy like just talking in the air about some enlightenment and confusing the person bhagwan says no 
systematically beautifully as you we will see very beautifully things are revealed and bhagwan praises this yoga buddhi he says buddhya yukto yaya partha karma bandham prahasyasi he partha when you are endowed with this attitude of proper attitude in your action the action first becomes is gross physical slowly it becomes at the level of your emotions then it comes at the level of your uh, intellect and it transcends the intellect also it's beautiful so when it is totally physical outward it's karma yoga then it comes at the level of your emotion it becomes upasana then it goes further at the level of intellect it becomes jnana yoga and then it transcends that also becomes dhyana so this everything you will reach that through this attitude itself buddhya yukta by endowed with this buddhi he partha karma bandham prahasyasi you will become free of all bondage ultimately it will lead you to that state of enlightenment it's like a like a like a that slide Hmm. in that uh, in that garden and all na children sit there and once they they uh, jump from there then they just come down this slide they don't have to do anything similarly once we take the path of this karma yoga the right attitude that itself will take us that's what in third chapter bhagwan says sve sve karmani abhiratah siddhim vindanti manavah that just by performing your duties with proper attitude you will attain that siddhi you will attain that state of enlightenment like raja janak attained like so many other great seekers attain so bhagwan tells arjuna that this is a clear demarcation this is sankhya buddhi and now i will talk about yoga buddhi not understanding this what is said in this shloka arjuna raises a question in the third chapter that we will see when we come but he had this question about the confusion regarding karma and knowledge he said if i have to gain knowledge then why perform karma are baba that knowledge is the ultimate goal but through karma you will reach that goal you cannot reach it it's like suppose i am showing you a temple up on the on the hill and i say there you sit and meditate or there you will have darshan of bhagwan now walk are now walk what you said just have open your eyes and have darshan of bhagwan but you are here temple is there so you have to walk to reach that state similarly sankhya is the goal which bhagwan revealed the nature of the self and through this yoga you will reach that state so that bhagwan says i will reveal so buddhya yukto yaya partha he partha karma bandham prahasyasi you will become free of all your shackles of this karma you will transcend karma you begin with karma and you will conclude by transcending karma you will begin with desire and you will reach a state of desirelessness you will begin with action and you will reach a state of nishkarma freedom from action you will begin with struggle and you will reach a state free from all struggle all pain state of absolute bliss and absolute peace more we will see in our class tomorrow